Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's On Leadership Series. My name is Scott Miller and I serve as your guest and host each week. Today we have an encore interview with the leader of Franklin Covey's execution practice, Chris McChesney, who is the author of the number one best-selling book in that space, The Four Disciplines of Execution. Chris, welcome back to On Leadership. Thank you, Scott. Back by both popular demand and request. Right you on. are one of the top three or four most downloaded, listened to hey. interviews in our entire series. So. We thought we'd invite you back. Right on. You dropped down, had a good ski day in Utah yeah, yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah, Skied at Snowbird. It. Yes. Tell us about it. I won't go anywhere else. I'm all Snowbird all the time from That's now it. on. I yesterday know that lack of variety. Yesterday had a theme, though. You're going to go here. What was the theme yesterday? Star Wars. So you were you were Leah? You were a Princess storm, Leah? Or? Stormtrooper. You were a Stormtrooper, yeah. I saw it in your Facebook feed. It was we great. We found these fantastic bright white and black jackets, yeah. and then we bought helmets, and then we dressed somebody up as Vader. And yeah. It was a, it was ridiculous. Well, it's good for concussions because it keeps your whole face covered, right? There's no it, hitting trees or it whatever. It was freezing cold. It was like <laughs> minus 10 degrees. I can't believe that I can open my eyeballs. <laughs> well, welcome back. Thank you. Anybody who knows or has seen our previous interview knows that Chris is my brother from another mother. He has uh, been in the firm for, gosh, what, almost 30 years? How long, Chris? 28. 28 years of all of your journeys with Dr. Covey and our organization. The, I'd, I'd offer the pinnacle of your influence and impact in learning has been as the lead author of this number one best-selling book, The Four Disciplines. Yeah, very fortunate. For those who haven't read this book and have been in a cave or been on an aircraft carrier somewhere, thank you for your service if that's the case, give us a quick overview of what the book's about, why you and your colleagues wrote it, and the impact it's had in the last eight or so years. Thanks, Scott. All right, so, so Four Disciplines is a very principle-based framework. And when I say principles, it applies anywhere in just about any situation around a set of practices to get something done in the face of competing priorities. So when an organization or an individual has something that's absolutely critical, it's not happening, it requires a change in behavior, their own or someone else's, the first discipline gets you to really narrow the focus and define the target. The second principle is about leverage, understanding, we call them lead measures. What are the things I have to do on a regular basis that I can influence that predict the outcome? The third discipline is around the visibility of it. Can, can I see it? Mm -hmm. That scoreboard is critical for, for cutting through the distractions, and then the fourth piece is accountability, and it's that cadence of accountability constantly applying force against leverage, and it sounds very simple when I just said it like that, that quickly, but the, it's a little bit like lift, thrust, weight, and drag to airplanes. Right. Right, they sound simple, right? The principles were very basic when the Kitty Hawk flew, right? Today, we know a whole lot more about lift, thrust, weight, and drag. But missing one, it doesn't it work. It comes down, right. right. And so this is a deep dive on focus, leverage, engagement, and accountability, which unlock one of the hardest things for a leader to do, which is to drive a strategy that requires human buy-in. So Chris, I reserve that chair for world experts on topics. Oh. And because my name's on the program, I get to vote. And it is my judgment, and I think a legitimate assessment that you are the foremost authority in the world on this particular topic, executing strategy. I want you just to own that for a I minute. I'm extraordinarily uncomfortable. I had a, well, my father used to say, you know, he hated the term expert. Here's what I'll, I, I love you, I hate the term. We've done 17 years worth of work with 3,000 right. companies. Right. So, you we have a it. lot. We have a lot of context, but 
Well, it's my show. I get to use the word expert. Okay. And, um, and I'll respect to your father. Uh, <laughs> the foremost authority because of discipline and reps and client engagements. Since you've written the book, yeah. hundreds of thousands of copies sold. You're keynoting around the world literally every week. What's your biggest learning after having published the book and working with clients? Yeah, and this starts to show up in the book a little bit. Um, it's the connection between execution and human engagement. Yeah. And it's because we weren't thinking about that at all. We were very, we were the results side of the Franklin Covey continuum, right? We were the pointy stick. And you know, we were not your father's Franklin Covey. And everything that we did was aimed at, at the goal and at leverage and metrics. And what came out were some very profound insights around why a human being, why every human being engages or doesn't engage. Mm. And it's different from what the popular set of beliefs are on that topic. But, but our findings are not unique. There are other people out there that have found the same thing. And it's, it's a, you know, the connection between execution and engagement, um, we don't just think is, is an important leadership topic. We think it's the most important leadership topic. Be keep going. No, please keep going. Yeah, because, I mean, ultimately, you can sort of do two things as a leader, right? You've got, you got your processes that mm -hmm. you can put in place. You can do all the stuff you can do because you're the boss. You put your processes in place. You call it stroke of the pen. Yeah, stroke of the pen. All of those things that you can do, and, and you can do a lot. You can direct energy. You can firefight. But there are some things, and every leader knows this, that they're not going to happen if I don't get people's engagement. If they, if they don't care, this won't work. And that's the wall that leaders hit. And that, that's why this is such a critical topic, because you realize as a leader, you can only go so far if they're not really engaged. That's why I think that's why the topic of engagement is as big a topic as it is. And, and related to that, what have you found is the key or the keys that drive engagement? Okay, okay. And, and I'm going to go there really quick. I, first, I want to say what it isn't. Okay, what it's not. It, what it's not. It's not the stuff that we think of associated with turnover, like the reverse of that. Like mm. when, when you, th it's a really easy place to go. Your boss, hating your boss. I, I don't like my stuff. boss. I don't like my work conditions. My I don't like my pay. I don't like my benefits. Pro, 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 you know. Yep. Um, all of those things, best friend at work, right? all of those things really lead to turnover. That is good data. That is good research on turnover. And if you're trying to solve that, focus on that. Amen. But the, but the opposite of turnover is not engagement. Different problem, it's different, different solution. It's a different set, yeah. And it took us a little while to find it. But Frederick Hertzberg and, and people that have taken organizational behavior development classes always see this guy. Uh, you may have even bumped into him in your MBA. In the 1960s, Hertzberg came up with this two-factor model, and he called them satisfiers and dissatisfiers. And what he says is, they quit over the dissatisfiers, and they really do. Hmm. But the satisfiers are different. The satisfiers have to do with the work itself, and there's no getting away from that. And it has to do with making progress towards something that matters. And it's those two dynamics, right? Recognition for that, um, involvement in that. That is a different set of items. Like you're winning, understanding. And that's the word we use. And, and we, 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 even before running into this data, we started terminate, or, 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 or 
calling it um, creating a high stakes winnable game, mm -hmm. right? Am I winning at something that's really high stakes? That was the way that we saw it. Um, and that's important because you can create a winning game that doesn't have enormous impact on the organization all day long. Yeah, or to, or to someone, right. It, it doesn't have to, it, 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 high stakes was an interesting thing. It didn't necessarily have giant social value. It wasn't changing the world. Like, it, it, it didn't have to. It just had to matter somewhere to someone, and usually to the organization. And so this, this realization that, okay, whenever you set this up, you get the engagement. Um, the, the Harvard Business Review article, um, The Power of Small Wins, yeah. May 2011, that was a really important one for us to sort of zero in on and say, oh, this is what we're experiencing. Because we it was an accidental byproduct of great execution was this pop in engagement. It didn't happen necessarily up front, but the minute they felt like they were winning and it mattered, it always showed up. It didn't matter how jaded you thought they were, didn't matter the culture, didn't matter the history. The minute you had those two factors, you got engagement. And it's not a well understood principle. Chris, as you think about, and you are thinking about updating this book, because the publisher has been asking for it, a lot of your clients, have you considered creating an edition that has these insights in it? It's, it that concept is really through it. The, the second book is called Leading Execution. Right. Four Disciplines was really written for where the work gets done, mm -hmm. for the cells of the organization. But those cells live in a system. We've learned that there's cellular execution and there's systemic execution. Take that deeper, because that's yeah. a new concept to me. Yeah, so if you were trying to treat cancer without an understanding of what happened inside the cell, you wouldn't get very far. Right. Execution's a lot the same way. That stroke of the pen stuff, that has a lot of systemic across the organization application. But sometimes you got to have energy from the cell, right? And that's really what this is. It's what's, what's problematic is people, this is cellular execution. People take that cellular execution and they try and apply it systemically. So you have these executives of giant companies trying to run the four disciplines like they were a frontline team and they just get a little frustrated. I mean, some of the principles are applicable, but they're two different things. And so the, other, so, the, so the new book, Leading Execution, is more about that. But this topic of engagement is critical um, because systemically, sometimes a leader realizes this strategy doesn't work if we don't get energy from the cells. And I can't just do it with new procedures and processes. I can't just do it with money, right? I can't just do it by beating a drum louder. I've actually got to create some pull I got to get some energy out of the cell. People need to change some behaviors. They need to do some things differently. And, and, and it's an overused word, but they've got to engage. Yeah. So we, we, we did this study for um, in the manufacturing area, production operations, and we looked at five organizations that had extraordinary results with this. We become the student pretty quickly yeah. once you give people these principles. And these Two of these entities were claiming billion, with a B, billion dollar ROI cost savings from doing this over the period of six or seven years. And we had no idea that anybody out, was out there on that level. So as we, went back, as we went back and we started learning from them, all five organizations had a different way of talking about it. They all had their different constructs, except for one thing was common across all of them. And it was small wins. 
And so we've got, if, 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 you know, anybody that's interested in the white paper, hit us up, we'll, we'll send you one. But in, in every case, they all have a quote that sounds like it's the same quote, and it's unexpected. And they'll say, what really got us were these, were these $15,000 and $20,000 projects, or these 50,000 small in their worlds, mm -hmm. that just kept showing up. And, there was, and what you're reading is cellular execution. Mm -hmm. They were, and it, was, it wasn't these, and they say this, they say it wasn't these giant, bold leadership moves. They were getting energy out of the cell. Wow. Uh, we'll include that white paper with this newsletter interview cool. as a tool. Thank you. So you ha I've seen you, seen you and heard you talk about a term called people-focused leaders versus results-focused leaders. Put yeah, some meat yeah, on that bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this is the issue. Every is it one or the other? Or? No, 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 no. But it's, there's a dynamic here. So as I look at the wall and I look at all the books, right, anything. You're, you're up there. Yeah, you're right behind yeah, your yeah, head, right, right. which I think it's blocking it most of the time. I don't <laughs> know if we can change camera somewhere. angle on that. <laughs> um, if you switched, if you were part of a big organization, you were switching from one division to the next. And the people in your new division that you're about to take over called the people that, you, that were working for you. And they said, what's it like to work for Scott? Mm -hmm. And the people that have been working with you said, oh, he's great. Scott's very results focused. There'll be an audible right. on the other end. Right. Even though everybody Drive, knows, push, everybody no knows, cost. yeah, right. but everybody knows that they're not two different things. Like you gotta be results focused and you gotta be people's focused, but it's funny. But if that same person said, oh, what's Scott like? Oh, Scott's great. He's very people focused. They're gonna right. hear the eye. Right, now, right. what's funny is senior management. He won't exactly, be there very long. Right, right, <laughs> right. Because senior management looks right. at you know if the, the senior leaders, the yeah. vice president yeah. said, said, "Hey, what's Scott like to work for?" Yeah. And they said, "Oh, he's very results focused." Yes, he's right. very people. Right, yeah. and they should yeah. be the same. We have never met a thoughtful leader who didn't know that the results had to come from the people. But what we see is that they tend to lean one way or the other, and the common thinking. Each of us has a natural proclivity. Default. Yes, we yes, do, right. right? Here was the shocking thing. The people stuff in the cases that we worked with came from getting results. The engagement, the, the camaraderie, the powerful experience, the culture shift followed the results. Even though so much, so much of the leadership canon that's out there, and rightfully so, that's why I chose to work. That's why I worked for Stephen Covey for four months for right. free, right? Because I love the whole premise behind leadership development. But what we experienced was when you go, when you set up a team in a way that they can achieve something, when it actually starts with the results, the engagement always comes along for the ride if you do it right. So Chris, you have dedicated the last 15 plus years to this singular topic. You have you know, delivered hundreds if not thousands of implementations around the world. I, I follow you on, on Instagram and on, on all your, and it's, it's, you know, it's impressive your dedication to the topic. What have you learned about what leaders that are leaving a legacy, that are influencing, that are you know, bringing significant, important focus to bear on solving problems with, with execution, methodology. What are they doing? What do they have in common? It's so funny. The you're people. Ask, you're asking this question because a lot of times 
when I speak or I meet a group, I get to hear the leaders talk to their organization before I talk. Yeah, right. Right. So everybody loves to have me sort of. And you're close. tempted to either like rag on them or, or lead. No, or no, no, not at all. You're up. always trying to help them, but you see a variety of leadership styles as they, and you yes. really get to see them while they present strategy. Right. And I, I was literally sitting at one of these, thinking, Chris, you should be learning something. You're you're, you're getting front row seats right. to more leaders. I don't know who, right. but right. but a lot, and. Um, there is a pattern. There's a few organizations out there that are just unbelievable, and, and it starts with their leaders. Um, people know, a lot of people know about Wegmans, the grocery store. Sure. Huge 40X right. users, we've spent right. a lot of time with them. They were number two behind uh, Google in most Always respected. Always top three or four best places that to work, work, most, most respected. respected. Yes, yeah, and, um, their olive bar is amazing. Have you seen that? I don't love olives, but I mean, they're olive bars. I love that you've been the, in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm in New York, if you go actually. To the, if so. you go, right, they'll teach yeah. you about cheeses. They'll it's tell amazing, you how to cook amazing. sushi. Right? Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they do yeah. the whole thing. Um, if you look at these leaders, you don't have to look at them for long. You see two things. You see really high expectations that they have for their people. Not in a twisting the knife kind of a way, but literally. And they, and they do it to you. When you work with them, you get this same mojo. Like they look at you and they they like believe you can do anything. They hire for that or they train to that? I don't know. It's just soaked in the culture. Okay. It's I don't even know they see it. But they just think, they just look at you and they convince you you can do anything. Hmm. They have these high, high expectations, which could make you snap. Yeah. Right? It but, can be also dangerous if you don't have the preparation or the skill to actually go do that. And I don't think those people stay. Yeah, right. But here's the other thing. Um, the other side of that is they also kind of radiate love. Sure. And on, on Christmas Eve, they're not at their cabin in Aspen. I mean, they're richer than Midas. I mean, they're, they, you know, I can't even, they're privately, I can't even comprehend how much that organization is worth that they own. They're not, they're not at Aspen, they're in a van in the cold, in the Northeast, going store to store, delivering presents to their people. Huh. And it's this, but then think about this, think about every great parent that you've ever known or anybody's ever talked about. Those two components of love and expectation mm. are always there. And so this is such a simple leadership model, but you start to see this. And then, and then, and so I think maybe that, if that's the high law and yeah. in, in the, the little model, yeah. right, the next one would then be to say, okay, and, and we love, at Franklin Covey, we love the notion that intent counts more than technique. Um, from Mahan Kulsa. Yes, I know. It's why they tolerate us. Exactly. That's the only reason we're what still here. What I meant here. to say was, what I meant to do. And they keep putting up with us. Um, if the intent behind anything you want to execute, okay, starting with expectations and love, if the intent then behind anything you want to execute is we want this to feel like a very high stakes winnable game and if it doesn't say so like every leader can do that that's not soft leadership because you can still have fun and be emotionally invested in something and be smart and relevant and hardworking. and yeah, yeah. well and here's the other point 80 percent of what you're doing could be brutal like whirlwind tough 
People can quagmire. Quagmire. Solving Eighty percent can right. be hard if there's somewhere in there that you feel like you're playing a high stakes winnable game. Yeah. You'll tolerate the not only tolerate yeah. you'll yeah. thrive. So so for leaders sometimes I think we'll 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 bolt from that because so can much can be your refuge can be your beacon. Yeah, yeah. So much of what happens is hard and we're in a losing market and we've got inferior products and we don't have the resources and I mean there are so many things telling you you can't do this that people tend to pull away from it. But, but just to recognize, all right, the situation is what the situation is. And the whirlwind is what the whirlwind is. And I got this team working for me. And somewhere in there, there's a winnable game that's gonna matter. So it doesn't have to be the whole game, but somewhere in there, what, what's a number, sports metaphor, sorry. Let's go on offense. So much of the business world feels like, we had a lousy Super Bowl this year because it was all defense. Like, in the third quarter, they're talking about oh, what a great punt they had. a halftime show I hear. Sorry. Yeah, 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 right. But, but, Sorry, Adam. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's, uh, the ADHD going, just went going, off the, I had going, so many punchlines went through my mind when you said that. But, but it was, sometimes people feel like, just let me get to Friday without another shoe dropping. Yeah. Just, can I just endure this? That's what it feels like to just play defense all the time. Can we go on offense? Chris, address the converse. When you go into organizations that hire you, yeah. and, they're, and, and you see some leaders that are well-intended, but they're, they're, they're poor, they're, they're, they're trying to get better, they're dropping the ball, they're not executing. Are there some commonalities? They're, they're fine people, character-wise. What are some common things that people might identify to say, gosh, I do that, I should stop doing that or change? The really scary part is I see them all in myself. And I'm not just, yeah. this is not fake humility. You know I don't yeah. suffer from that. Yeah. It's this word with a D right there. Because it'll sound good. Like when you hear the, the four disciplines don't give you discipline, they demand them. Hmm. And you, you, you hear the constructs and you're like, yes, yeah, I get it now. I can see it. It's like revelatory. Is but it then you gotta no? do it. Is it, is it, is it. Well, each one has its own, each one has its own problem. And so sometimes it's saying, yeah, it's, 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 it's saying no to good ideas in the first discipline. So leaders who aren't executing well are typically doing what things? They're saying yes to everything. Saying yes to everything. They're, they're Their all, own oh. ideas or the ideas that come them all the time? Both, and, 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 and I see this in myself, self-conscious and very aware of what other people think of them. There is some, there is some courage that is required to be a great leader. Every great because operator. Because yes creates affinity or respect or. Or just, just not looking at the result, looking at how I'm seen. They're not the same thing. A leader can be very aware of their image in an yes. organization yeah. and be doing a lot of the same thing as someone focused on the results, but they ultimately differ. I see. And when, you, when a leader is ultimately focused on the results, they're not always popular. But if you look at somebody that's got a great track record. They don't record, care about their brand or no, image. No, no. They're just laser focused on accomplishing this vital. First. Sometimes at the, at the sake of. What else? The, the weekly disciplines of moving off of urgent things, and I know this sounds so, but it's, a, it's like the universal DNA flaw, that in the moment, I always wanna do urgent. It could be a little thing, it could be opening an email, it could be a project. I will always, if I can push an important activity to do an urgent activity, I want to, and it's the discipline to override that conditioning in the brain and say, all right, I, I can't afford to, but I'm gonna give six hours right here. I'm going to be on it. I mean, that is a dis so the saying no, the not being too right. concerned about your own image, and then the ability to just lock down on important things that are not urgent for significant points, periods of time. 
that's another one. Chris, I know you well, and I also knew Stephen Covey well, and although you have nothing in common in terms of personality or delivery style, I have to tell you. <laughs> or success. <laughs> or intelligence. Or net worth. Especially net worth. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I do see you channeling a lot of Stephen's thoughts and principles and sort of modernizing them in a way that the next generation of leader can understand. It's a compliment to him yeah, and to you. Yeah, no, that, that, that is like, to me, that's the highest compliment. I'm giving you an honorary on leadership doctorate right now. <laughs> it's worth nothing. <laughs> you know what we've had pointed out to us? We didn't make this observation, but we've had several real students of Stephen Covey out there that have said, you took habits one, two, and three and coded them hmm. for the team and the yeah, organization. Well said, yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is if you look at Stephen MR's work on Speed of Trust, trust. he's done the same thing with four, yeah. five, and six. Right. And but he, you find a lot of clients to that point that choose to engage you in both of those solutions, building a, a, a culture of discipline execution yep. while they're, after they're building a culture of trust. That's right. Because you need both. That's right. Tell us what the integration of those is. When you have organizations that are solely focused on the invaluable processes here, but lack this personal trustworthy, what happens? And it's so interesting, you know, the speed of trust. Everybody just goes to the word trust and they sort of skip over the speed of. Yeah. Holy cow, like that is with me. Every time something's slow, every time something's frustrating in my life, it's a trust issue that's behind it. Hmm. And, and I just think, I think of Stephen, well, every, time, yeah. every time, every yeah. time I can't get in because I can't Even remember the, the password. Even in the company, I right? can't get something, oh, it's yeah, everywhere. Yeah, you and me sometimes. Right, yeah. everywhere, everywhere there's a slow up, it's trust. Yeah. And I think every time it happens, I go, Sucker was right what, again. What are, what are Chris's motives? What's Scott intent? Yeah. What is he thinking? That is, that is the lubricant yeah. for this. I mean, yeah. you can run yeah. this in a bad trust organization, but it grinds the gears a little bit, right? Now, the converse is also true. When people, holy cow, when people are clear on objectives, the impact culturally is dynamic. Um, you got, you know, you have 46 teams in the IT group at Comcast, nailed, crushed a critical objective for the organization. I was there at the report out. They were showing up in superhero outfits. They were inside jokes. I watched 46 five-minute report outs. Didn't understand a word of it because it was all IT people. And they were brilliant, and they were from different parts of the world. And about every third report out, they would talk about the improvement and collaboration and how great it was not to feel like people were pointing fingers and you didn't have to point fingers. And it just was this theme. And it kept, I mean, 46 report outs, about 20 of, 15, 20 of them were kept, we never talked about that. We never talked about culture. We never talked about interdepartmental collaboration. Right. We never talked about cooperation. We just lined up the targets and got the alignment right and a lot of good things. So they really affect each other. You may have just answered my next question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Yeah. When you have high hopes for a client, they call you, you go in and give a keynote speech, you get them riled up, they decide to adopt your, the solution, and then they fail. And they don't meet your expectation of what your vision was for your partnership. What's happened? Boy, these are hard questions. Is it, did you just answer it? No. I mean, maybe, it, it could be related. Um, it tends to be the distraction of senior leaders. They just, they just couldn't. Because senior leaders are well-intended, but they keep cooking up new ideas. They don't support them. They might have gotten changed out. 
I see. The sponsor, sponsor the ambassador could have of been it moved. moved on. Right. And it loses the momentum. Or they were a little more dialed into the politics of the moment, okay. what's happening in the organization, or they thought they'd... Uh, they thought they would sort of pass this down. Yes. They would delegate right. execution. Yeah. And there's some things that senior leaders, it doesn't have to take a ton of time, but they can't, can't be delegated. There's certain things a leader has to do to keep the engine running, and nobody gets passed. So conversely, are the most successful engagements those that happen because the leader owns it, stays in the role, sees it through, drives it, delegates as appropriate, but not entirely? Is that why they're most successful? Yeah, wow. it, to the point where we're going to do this, like win or lose. Like yeah. there, there's yeah. this mental, you know that feeling when you've committed to a project and, you're, and you, you know that you're bumping up against crazy a little bit. Like yeah. you're, you're saying, I am so in right now. Like if this doesn't work, like, like the, not to the disciplines, but to the goal. There's a level of commitment to the target um, to get through an organization to get an organization to execute. The example I just gave, Michael Cristofero at, at, at Comcast, was, it, mm -hmm. was he didn't cut himself any excuse, you know, slack. He, he was on top. Close out in the final thought. I don't want to have a spoiler alert. What's next? You talked a bit about uh, a revised new book. Talk a little more about that. What are you seeing involved in that book? What's next for you and, and your co-authors and team? If this is cellular execution, the current version of the, the current ver funds, version, right? Right. What do leaders really need to know to foster and grow this in an organizational setting? You, you, you called the working title leading execution. Leading execution. It's aimed at senior leaders, executive level leaders, people, leaders who have multiple teams reporting to them, right? Or people who aspire to one day have multiple right? teams right? reporting to right. them. How, how do I how do I harness this? How do I align it? And over the last twenty years, we've learned a lot about this that's not in there. And if that takes another 10 years, um, it's, we think it's pretty significant. Last question. Uh, this is self-serving, but I think it's valuable for our, our, our viewers and our clients. When an organization is having an upcoming sales conference, annual meeting, some kind of event where they're looking for a keynote speaker, when is it right to have you do that? Like, like, what's the right environment for someone who's an event planner or CEO who's thinking, I like your energy, I like his message, I want to bring him in. I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to guess you're not right for every, every event, every organization. When is the timing right to bring you in and pay your fee to have you inspire the team and perhaps tip the point towards execution? I'll tell you the two reasons they do hire. Great. One is they're really interested to see if this will take in the culture Right, and they want yeah, right. and they want to just sort of put it out yes. there like yeah. a like a sonar yeah. right. bing, great, and just see what comes back. And you've seen that Marriott and, and, started this way, and you've seen CEOs call you to say, "I'm thinking of this. We want to use this as a trial balloon. Do your thing. We'll see how it how it goes." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sometimes they've got an agenda. Sometimes yeah. they just want to see what interest pops up. Yeah. But they like the concept, and they think, you know, if right. I liked it. Right, let's see what, what CEO or whoever read the book, senior leadership read the book. Right, right, got right. It. The other scenario, they have no intention of implementing the methodology as an operating system, but they like the concepts. And they're a lot, they're, as all, almost every conference you go to, they're rolling out the next year's plan, the next year's strategy. And so they want the theme of execution. They don't, they're not necessarily interested in institutionalizing an operating system, but they want, they want everybody thinking about the principles of execution to go along because they know the strategy 
is no good if we as an organization don't execute. So that's more of a sort of a philosophical, hey, let's get some of the best stuff on the planet around strategy execution to close out you know, the new direction, this year's yeah, plan. Yeah, that makes sense. What's your sweet spot on stage? An hour? Hour and a half. Hour and a half, 90 minutes is your sweet yeah, spot. Yeah. yeah, and what we found about this content is you don't just have to tell stories. It's so relevant to every leader that you can actually teach a lot of information and keep people highly engaged because it is so personal and the issues, the dynamics, every leader there is dealing with them. And so we go hour and a half, we teach a lot and, um, and it's engaging because it's very relevant yeah, to what they're sense. dealing with. Chris, thank you. Thanks, Scott. Great conversation. Good luck on your flight home. Thank Keep you. your uh, Stormtrooper costume for next year's uh, snow. <laughs> I have a little trouble home. getting on the plane with that. <laughs> That's great. We'll have you back again uh, as well when your book comes out, the next version. But right we'll on. have you back between now and then as, too, as well. Right. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, this week's newsletter comes out on Tuesdays. We'll make sure that we have Chris Manchester's white paper in there. And we'll see you back here next week for our, our next conversation on leadership. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.